Everybody, are you glad to be here in the house of God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What is the important thing about the service? Worship. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. And uh, you are here. And that's good too. Because when we come together, the Lord is here. And we have him in our center, Lord. Hallelujah. And that's great. Today I want to continue with my series, Christ in the Book of Acts or Traveling with Paul. And we have been many, many times uh, on Sunday morning here in the Bible and where with Paul, what Paul went through. And now we find here in Acts chapter 24, the verses 24 to 27, Paul was here before a couple. And this was the couple of um, Festus and Drusilla. Let's read from 24. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, not Festus, it was Felix, I'm sorry. Festus is the next one who came. Okay, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Now, everything Paul was saying now belongs to faith in Christ Jesus. And I want to speak this morning what it means actually having faith in Christ Jesus and the impact in our lives. And that's so important. Now listen what Paul was speaking. And Luke gives us actually a little bit and a show of his sermon, what he was preaching on. And Paul had three major points. You know, a sermon usually should be at least three points. And there was this. But when he was discussing righteousness, everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. Self-control. Self-control. And the judgment to come. And the judgment to come. You understand, these are three very important things. We Germans, when we say three, is this. But the Australians and Brits say this here. So when I say this, that is the German way. The thumb is a finger as well. That's why we count them. Now, three things are important. Now, let's continue. Paul became frightened and said, go away for the present. And when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank the Lord this word that Paul was preaching then before Felix, the Lord. This word is important for us today as well. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for the Spirit of God. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, let this word be revealed before our eyes. I pray, Lord Jesus, give grace to speak your word, give grace to listen to your word, and also give grace to act upon your wonderful word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, faith in Christ. Now, Paul, after a plot to kill him was thwarted, he appeared here before Felix and before uh, his wife, Drusilla. Very interesting. Felix was a married man, and he had married a Jewess, Drusilla. According to a Roman um, Historian Felix, or Felix was uh, actually, or Drusilla was his third wife. It was almost like in Hollywood. You know, you, you realize this is normal, you know. They get married, live for, together for a few months or years, and then get divorced. And then another woman. Now, this was similar to then, and the uh, Romans had actually a very low, low moral. And we see it very clearly. And historians speak about it. Interesting. Now, Felix, he wanted her. Drusilla was actually married two times before. So what nowadays a third time wouldn't hurt. So that's what was then too. Drusilla was the youngest daughter of King Agrippa I. So she was royal in one way or another. And Luke speaks about this Agrippa I in uh, Acts chapter 12, the verses 1, 3, and a little bit further. When then Herod, so it's been said, Herod stood before the people in glitter, and in all the glory he had. And people heard him when he made his address to the people. And the people got mesmerized by this man. And he came into ecstasy and said, This voice is not the voice of a man. It's the voice of God. Now, what did God say to it? What did God say to it? And the Bible says, and immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and died. Outside there was glamour and everything, but his body was actually a bag of maggots. He was eaten up in his body. Now that was the judgment of God. Now this Herod the first was the brother of Drusilla, actually. And we understand she has royalty. And so Paul was called to speak about faith in Christ. That's what the Bible says. Now Paul was a clear preacher. And he preached the word of God very clearly. Paul was a brilliant theologian, and he knew exactly what it needed to be having faith in Jesus Christ. 
Now Luke showed us his outlines, and we have spoken about his outlines. Which were them? First point was righteousness. The next point was self-control. And the last point was judgment to come. When you heard about this, he was frightened. And it's important. Some people say, well, when you come to church, feel free and make yourself comfortable and enjoy the service. Perhaps Paul was not thinking that way. He didn't want to make them a nice feeling because he knew about them. And if they wanted to know what is all about the faith in Jesus Christ, he spoke about the right thing. And that's very important. He spoke about the righteousness of God. This is the first thing a sinner has to come to terms with. When you deal with God, God is righteous. God is righteous. And you know what it means? There's no fault in God. There's nothing, nothing crooked in God. God is righteous all the way through. The righteousness of God is important. Now this righteousness is non plus ultra. You can't change anything. And that's important. We are dealing with a God who is righteous. And that's why Jesus said something that uh, his people and the disciples should get used to it. And also we as Christians who follow the Lord Jesus, we must get used to it. God is righteous. Amen. Hallelujah. God doesn't do like this. I can't see. God sees everything, even our thoughts in our innermost being, these things are open to God. That's the nature of righteousness. Hallelujah. Do you love a God who is righteous? I do. And do you know a God who is righteous before him, we can nothing, nothing hide at all. Nothing. And that's important. And Felix knew that very quickly as he heard Paul speaking. Oh boy, this is a God. This is a God and he is very, very strong. Now all these um, husbands Drusilla had before. Now these, some didn't want to uh, convert to Judaism. But Felix, he... Uh, wanted to have her, and she or he did something in order to get her. Because by a Jewish magician, he tried to manipulate her to leave her last husband, and then he married her. There was something fishy in the marriage. Our marriages have to be clean before God. Amen? Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? amen? Amen. Do you believe the Bible? Now that's so important. Jesus says this also, and Paul, a great dogmatic, he said in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but, but what? Righteousness. Hallelujah. 
That's the first thing in the kingdom of God you will experience, and that is righteousness. We need to be righteous too, because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I say unto unto you, unless your righteousness supersedes the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, these guys were actually very, very self-righteous and thought, well, if there's righteousness to be sought and to be found, that's with the Pharisees. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Your righteousness has to supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That means, in other words, God requires righteousness. Whether you like it or not, These are the words of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Righteousness. Paul had the right theme, and that was the first point he preached on. Righteousness, the righteousness of God. God requires righteousness. And we know we haven't got it. Where can we get it? And that's important. But remember, Paul was invited to come and stand before Felix and Drusilla, and he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ starts with the righteousness of God, not our righteousness we bring forth, no, but a righteousness that is what God will give us. And Paul said it very clearly. That's important. Heaven is a place of righteousness. How many unrighteous people go to heaven? What do you think? How many? Zero. None. None unrighteous goes to heaven. Righteousness is that what makes heaven. Hallelujah. Heaven is a place of righteousness. And our dear brother Peter In the Bible, I mean. 2 Peter verse 3, he says, But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which what? In which what? In which righteousness dwells. In which what? Righteousness dwells. If you want to go to this heaven where righteousness dwells, you have to be made righteous. Otherwise, there's no chance. I think it was Spurgeon. He said it once. If God would allow a thief to go into heaven, the thief would go and pluck the feathers from the angel's wings. So, righteousness is important. Righteousness because heaven is a place of righteousness. Be something to think heaven is a place of beauty and music and singing and everything is nice. Of course, only righteousness is the basis of beauty in God. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's why there was a preacher before the flood and his name was Noah. And Peter calls him again. A preacher of what? Of what? Of righteousness. That's what Peter preached then, or um, 
Noah preached then. Righteousness. Now our righteousness in the Bible says very clearly, our righteousness is not sufficient. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't try to be a good person. Don't try to be a good person. No. Be born again. And then God's spirit will do in you what is required. And that's so important. Our righteousness according to Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. Have you ever seen a filthy garment? That's our righteousness. These are righteous deeds, like filthy garments. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquity, like the wind, takes us away. Our righteousness doesn't go into heaven, but righteousness is required. Where can we get righteousness? And that's what Paul was preaching about. Very clearly, faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness comes from God. And I uh, have studied a little bit a book, God's Plan for, the, for Chinese. And what I found out, we have got a few Chinese people here. Welcome, you Chinese people. God bless you. You have always got the right idea. You know the word righteousness in Chinese? I can't express it, but my dear brother T.C., what is the word righteousness in Chinese? What is it? Ying? I don't know what it is. But at least the Chinese have this concept. Righteousness is nothing that's been found or can come from man. Righteousness absolutely, solely comes from God. So if heaven is a place of righteousness, then there is righteousness. And God is all the way righteous. If you want to have righteousness, you have to know where does it come from. It doesn't come from a Catholic church. It doesn't come from this church either. It comes from heaven. Hallelujah. And Paul puts it very nicely in these words that I know is my dear brother James's favorite word, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, 21. See? He knew what I'm preaching because he knows exactly the scripture there. What does the Bible say? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, or actually to be the sin offering on our behalf, that he or that we might become what? The righteousness from the Catholic Church? The righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Do you have the righteousness of God? And that's what Paul was preaching here before Felix and Drusilla and their life past was so colorful, full sin and all these things. 
And now Paul comes here with a righteousness that is of God. And we have to be the righteousness of God. Are you righteous? Is there any righteous people here this morning? No? Being made righteous. Anybody stolen something in the past? Lift up your hand. Anybody lied? Lift up your hand. Anybody said something wrong about anyone? Brother Peter. <laughs> Ring quickly, triple O. Get the police here, all liars. Here, all thieves. Here, people have said the wrong thing. We all need to go into prison, but there's something. But he made him who knew no sin, sin on our behalf, that we might become a little bit righteous. No, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the righteousness that dwells in heaven. Hallelujah. In a new heaven, in the new earth, there dwells this righteousness. And unless you are righteous or being made righteous by Jesus Christ, you will not go to heaven. There's only one currency that is important before God, is righteousness in God. Don't come with your own righteousness. This dirty clothes belongs into the washing machine, or whatever. But... The righteousness comes from God. Remember, God gives you what is required for heaven. <coughs> so, have you ever thought about, Jesus speaks about this, this wedding feast and the father of the bride or of the groom goes around and he looks at somebody and said, you there, how did you get in here? How did you get in here? What did he find? What did he find? You have got no, you have got no wedding garment. How did you get in here? The wedding garment of the redeemed is the Righteous deeds of the saints. Amen. You can read it in Revelation. They were clothed in wonderful garments. And these garments are the righteous deeds of the saints. Not the righteous deeds of a sinner. A sinner can't bring forth righteous deeds. Can he? But the saints who walk with Jesus Christ. Their life and their whole life has been made righteous by God. Hallelujah. Now, if God would see you in heaven and would ask, how did you get in here? What is your answer? Father, I had a change over with the clothes. 
I'm wearing the clothes of your son, Jesus. His righteousness has become my righteousness. If God requires righteousness, will he reject the righteousness of Jesus, his only begotten son? No and never, never, ever. That's the righteousness that is acceptable in the sight of God. Hallelujah. You, God will not kick you out. You could say, that's all I've got. The righteousness of your beloved son. Hallelujah. Jesus' righteousness has the stamp of God's approval. Can I hear an amen? If you have this righteousness of Jesus being made your righteousness, that's the stamp of approval. Hallelujah. And even if Satan would come to you, as he did with Joshua there in the Bible, you know, Joshua had unclean garments, and Satan came and accused him. And the angel of the Lord said, Satan rebuke you. Is he not just like a brand out of the fire being plucked? Hallelujah. So even if Satan would come and accuse you before God, this righteousness has the stamp of God's approval. This is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased, well pleased, hallelujah. And that's so important. Righteousness is required. Now Paul's sermon was not at the end with righteousness. And I believe I would have loved it. I would have loved it to listen, Paul, what are you preaching to this guy here? And to his wife, Drusilla. What are you preaching? He was preaching so clearly that after he was preaching, Felix, he was scared. He was frightened. Has a sermon or a church ever, ever frightened you? Has a word of God ever, ever frightened you? If yes, amen, amen. Something will be changed. If you never have been frightened by the word of God, by the word of righteousness, there's something wrong with you. Or there was something wrong with the preacher who preached it. But Paul, when he preached about righteousness, Felix, he was frightened. Oh, how wonderful. Frightened listener is the best any preacher could have. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not just jumping people, but frightened people. All of a sudden, Felix knew this is a God, actually God of my wife, Drusilla, and she has departed from that. What a God is this God of the Jews. And what a wonderful Jesus is. 
and he listened Paul further on. Paul was preaching certainly about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God will give us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now the next point was this. Self-control. Self-control. Is that important? Self-control? Is that important? Self-control? Amen, amen, amen. Because the Bible says the fornicator and adulterer God will judge. That's a very strong word in Hebrew. Self-control. Now I looked into the Luther Bible. Being a German, I am able to read the Luther Bible as well. Now this self-control word is perhaps a little bit, for my understanding, a little bit so. Is it somebody who doesn't blow up straight away? Straight away? No. The word self-control actually means further. And it's the Greek word ekratias. And that means sexual purity. Is that important? Sexual purity, the German word is keuschheit. Can you say this word keuschheit? Sexual purity, is that important? Is that important? For every born-again Christian, it's important to have sexual purity and be pure in these regards. That's what Paul was speaking about. And this word, Luther translated it with Koishite. Felix had a very unclean start to his marriage with Drusilla. As I said, or as you might know, Drusilla first was married with Antiochus Epiphanes of Comangene. It's not the Antiochus Epiphanes who came and came against Israel. He was a Greek, but it didn't take place because he was not willing to convert to Judaism. And then Drusilla mar married King Assisus from Edessa, from Syria. He underwent the circumcision and converted to Judaism. But then Felix, he manipulated Drusilla. She, as his showing said, she must have been a beautiful woman. Some guys, men, if they see a beautiful woman, all of a sudden the eyes go like this, they can't see clear anymore. So it was with him. And he, he wanted to have this woman. And I think I said before, 
through a Jewish magician, he was able to turn her mind against her husband, this king from Syria. And he got her. And his marriage had a very, very bad start before God. Many marriages have an unclean start. Listen, many marriages had an unclean start. How can, can you build up a Christian marriage about rubble, immoral rubbles of the past of somebody you are going to marry or vice versa if you are yourself in it? How can you ever expect having a wonderful marriage? Remember, you can't build on immoral rebels a marriage, a Christian godly marriage. These rebels have to be moved away and sin had to be confessed and repented of it. I remember years and years and years ago, I visited a young man, and as we were walking, so I had the impression he had to confess something. As a pastor, you have the feeling and then he said, oh, I went once to a massage parlor. Now, naive as I am. Then I didn't know what it is, a massage parlor. I don't know, is this a sin he confessed or what? As far as I knew in my simple mind and naive mind, Having a message is no sin, is it? If you have pain in your back and somebody messages you, is that a sin? I couldn't think so. So I couldn't help him. But later on, later on, later on, I realized that these so-called message parlors, there's some sexual twist to it. I didn't know that. I was so naive, and it's good to be sometimes naive, amen? To be naive in the things of sin is a blessing, amen, hallelujah. I hope, I hope he confessed his sin before the Lord and turned away from it. Now Festus' marriage had a very, very bad, unclean start. The Bible says clearly in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators, and adulterers, God will judge. 
That's the word of the Bible. Not my idea. You know, I'm naive in many things. But what is sin? I know what is sin. And we see here clearly. Now, while Paul was preaching these things, while he was preaching these things, the mind in Drusilla and Felix went, went on, went on. Their hearts were sad. This man is that, is that a man of God? This is not a crime, what he is talking about. It's pure. But then the Spirit of God shone upon them. And Felix, he was sad. Not only this, what he preached. And there was a last point. You remember, a good sermon should have at least three points. The first was righteousness of God. The second was self-control, sexual purity. And the last thing, that belongs also to faith in Jesus Christ. That was the whole thing why he was there with them. They wanted to hear something about the faith in Jesus Christ. Did they get something? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Very clear. And the last point. The last point was, and you spoke about judgment to come. It was not Paul who was now sitting in front of a judge. He mentioned very clearly, there is a judgment to come. There's a judgment to come. Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it says, In as much as it is appointed for men to die, Now the next word I want to hear of you. To die? Once. It is appointed for every person to die once. Hallelujah. I'm so glad for this, what the apostle wrote us here. You too? Amen? You have been appointed to die once. And after this comes judgment. Notice how many deaths is appointed to man to die. How many? How many? Once. One death only. How come? How come? That Calvin speaks about that man, if they are destined for hell, and hell is the second death, it's the second time people die. How come that Calvin speaks about 
predestination also for hell. Either he was wrong or the apostle who spoke this word in Ephesians. I believe Calvin was wrong, but big time. It's appointed only once. Nobody is appointed to die the second death in hell. That's what Jesus came for. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. You don't have to die the second death. But the second death is going to come for those who after judgment, whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb. And that's the judgment. Remember, judgment is going to come. It was true then, and it is true now. Hallelujah. Oh, Paul, what a preacher. What a preacher. Hallelujah. James, could you invite him here to preach here one day? Oh, we will see him in heaven. Hallelujah. And I want to snuck up to Paul and say, Paul, what you preached there in Caesarea filled my heart. And I wish that this zeal of God would burn in every, everybody's heart this morning. Revelation 20, verse 21. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books. You, you understand? There's a difference. There were books were opened. And also one book was opened. That's the book of life. There are no books of life, but books of deeds. Books of deeds. And these dead people who stood before the throne of God were judged according to that what was written in the books. All their filthy deeds, thoughts and everything were read out. Imagine. Imagine. All your filthy deeds and thoughts would be read out before the throne of God. And so many, many people are there. They're hearing it. Would you feel comfortable there? I certainly not. I certainly not. But one thing that is for me there, it's the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus that cleansed me from all iniquity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we should sing, oh, the blood of Jesus. It cleanses me. makes me white as... Snow, hallelujah. Now these things, and then we read further on. 
because they were judged according to the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Judgment is clearly to come. Anybody who doesn't or has not been washed in the blood of the Lamb will stand before the throne. You won't escape the throne, the white throne. Some people think, oh, there's a trick. If you get your body burned, you know, cremated, you know, how on earth will God get you there? <laughs> we laugh about it. But I tell you what, God speaks one word. And everything is there again. And the unredeemed will stand before God with all its sins and none of the sins he or she has done will be illuminated before God. Where will you go? Lord, where should I go if your blood wouldn't have cleansed me? I can't hide anywhere. Anywhere the throne of God is brilliant. It's light, light, light. Hallelujah. And there's one thing written, righteousness. Hallelujah. Would you like to go to this heaven where righteousness dwells? Can I see those? I want to go. I'm going there. Some are. Questionable. Some are questionable. Are you not game enough to claim what Jesus did for you? He has washed me by his blood. I want to go into that heaven. Amen? Into that heaven. Hallelujah. Where righteousness dwells. Now remember, Paul didn't start his sermon as many are preachers start. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And if you come to Jesus, then God will use your capacity for him. Forget about that preaching that's not about Jesus. Amen? Paul wanted to, I think there was his desire, that from this couple, Felix and Drusilla, would come a question, what must we do? as the jailer in Philippi did. What must we do to be saved? But it didn't come from them. I think Paul would have loved to hear this question. And Paul and Silas gave them, the jailer, the answer.
believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Hallelujah. Salvation was sealed in this prison cell in Philippi. Now, unfortunately, and the story goes like this, verse 27, but after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. The time ran out. Time can ran out. This is what I preached this morning. Similar on ten times, a hundred times better Paul was preaching. Felix was frightened. Isn't that the point where God could just work into your life? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, and these words Paul preached there in front of Felix and Drusilla, as it looks like in a so-called private Bible study. It was so strong. It was so strong. And I thank the Lord. These are the things which are important. Belong to faith in Jesus Christ. Bless each and every one of us. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.